0: Start reading in verse number 12. Paul's talking about the mercy of God, and he begins in verse number 12 and says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor, and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 15 This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy. That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Verse 17, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to talk about the king for a few moments this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and praise you. Stand in awe of your ability and how great you are. And we pray that you would bring strength and encouragement to the house of God and individuals who have gathered today in this place. That no matter what happens on creation, we're thankful that we know the creator of the creation. And we honor you and praise you today and worship you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. You can Be seated. Paul references in verse number 17, he says, Now unto the king eternal, the king eternal. Eternity is something very difficult to get our heads around. We as finite human beings, we try to control as much as we can with knowledge and uh, our own understanding. And trying to understand eternity is something very, very difficult. We can understand it more into the future as we can talk about a future and eternity that is going to be with the lord and so we can look to a better future i'm looking for a new heaven and a new earth in which there is an eternity with the lord that is totally different than what we face in this life and our experience in this world praise god i'm looking for something better in the house of god here today Amen. And so I can, I can envision and see something that is in the future, something that is eternal. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more crying, no more difficulties, no more tears. Because when he comes back, we will put on immortality. And death will be swallowed up completely and conquered, and we will reign with the Lord in a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. Praise God. And so that, I can understand that, and I can look forward to that in eternity. But when you go the other way, it's, <laughs> it's very difficult to try to get your head around because it starts with God speaking and creating, and it begs the question, well, what happens before all of that? And that's very difficult to understand because we can't grasp the eternal that goes that way before there was anything. All we know is that there was God. And and so we have to have faith in that and put our confidence in that. I would rather put my faith in that than to believe that somehow things came together and exploded. And then we have an evolutionary process that created life and everything that we see. Unless you want to say that in that explosion, that was God doing it. And if you want to go there, I can follow that because I believe that when God speaks, there are things that happen. Praise God. When God speaks, things change and things are created. And he's able to turn that which is chaos and void into something that is powerful. Praise God. And he's done it in each and every one of our lives because our lives were created. Chaotic and out of control. But when the king spoke, Brother Casey, into our world, God changed some things. Praise God. And so we stand in the house of God because we recognize that God has creative purpose and he has creative power and he is the king. Amen. So I have to put my faith and confidence in that. It's fascinating when you start looking at the sciences, and I've been in classes where they've talked about the evolutionary process and, and how there was a common ancestor. And so they've got these other things and fragmentations of bones, and they conjecture and come up with all this. But ultimately, when you go all the way back, you have to have faith. You either have to have faith in God or you have to have faith in that there was a Big Bang and an evolutionary process. It still takes faith. And so how can you say that that my science and every scientist that was born in faith... And all of their accomplishments is not science because that's the narrative that is out there today. Well, it's not science because you're, you are faith-based. Well, so are you because you don't have any evidence either. It all goes back to faith. And so then when you get down to the very basis of everything, it's a matter of faith. And it's a faith either in a Big Bang evolutionary process or in a faith that believes that God creates all things. And you got a choice to make. You can make a choice. Well, I want you to know in the house of God today that I'm making a choice. I believe that God created all things. He is the divine designer. He knows exactly what he was doing and the intricacies of life, the human eye, and the ability that we have breath to breathe here today is because of his power and his purpose and his ability. It's not happenstance. You're not here based on happenstance and conjecture. You're in the house of God today because God loves you, knows where you are, and wants his grace and mercy to flow to you. If you're having difficulties in the house of God today, praise God. There's a king that is able to bring you peace. I know there are troubling, troubling things in the world, but in this place, Place today. There is a peace that passes all understanding. There is a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And the Lord is in this place to minister to us. Amen. Praise God. So it's difficult to try to get our head around eternity. It's, it's kind of like in the math world when you start talking about something known as infinity. I'm not talking about Buzz Lightyear. All the kids are gone. There are some parents that understand what I'm talking about, Woody and Buzz Lightyear. To infinity and beyond, says Buzz Lightyear. Uh, Well, what is infinity? Infinity is kind of like eternity. If you're counting integers in a positive direction, you can count integers until infinity, meaning you could continue to count integers forever. And if you go in a negative direction and now you're taking you're talking about negative numbers, you can go in that direction. to infinity. So in math, they have a little it looks like a, a sideways horizontal eight and the sideways horizontal eight is infinity to infinity and beyond. That's that's hard to get your head around. <clears throat> so and we don't those kind of discussions are kind of something that. That we don't do well with because we want closure. We want everything to fit in a tight box. And all that reveals to us is this. We are finite and there are limits to our understanding. There's some things that we just can't understand. And so it also reveals to us concepts and truths that are beyond our own limitations. We cannot see. This is why the Apostle Paul, when he was speaking to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 12, he said, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Paul said, we see things darkly. We don't completely understand all. All things, but there's coming a day in which we will understand all things. I cannot understand eternity completely, but I can understand the King of eternity. I can't get my head around some concepts, but I can get my understanding around God, and God is the King. He has come to save sinners, He has come so that we might obtain mercy. He has shown long suffering and life everlasting. So in the house of God, today rather than getting distracted by the things I can't understand. I'm going to worship the king in the house of the Lord. Praise God. We shall see the king, not only in eternity, but we can worship him in this place today. Are you thankful that when you worship him, there is a God that is responsive to you? You don't serve an aloof king, but you serve a king that is well able to respond to your need in the house of God today. Whatever you need in this this place there is a king that is able. Praise God, in order to follow the king that comes to be crowned. Let's look at the words of the psalmist in Psalm 24 and verse number 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. The irony is here in this passage of scripture: is the psalmist is saying everything should worship the Creator, everything should worship the King. Both things that breathe and things that don't breathe, they should magnify the name of the Lord. How much more then for those of us that can breathe and actually say something? Should we worship the King rather than something that does not have the ability to say anything? Praise God! If you Breath to breathe here today in the house of God, you should worship the King because the King is your Creator. The King is the one that has given you the ability to lift up your voice and say, God, I love you. I thank you for your mercy and your grace and your faithfulness because you walk with me through every valley, every situation, every trial. You're a faithful God, and I want you to know that I am a constituent in the kingdom and I know who the king is he's the king of glory he's the king of glory he's the lord of hosts he's the king of glory he's the king that cannot be seen he's the king who speaks the creation into existence he's the king that warned Noah and his family of impending doom he's the king that called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees he's the king that appeared to Jacob in a dream He's the king that gave a dream to Joseph. He's the king that called Moses from the midst of a burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. That is not... a a description of something that is tangible. It's a description of I'm going to be with you. Now, there's a choice that you can make there. You can serve the idolatry of the world and all the images that are in the world and certainly in this day they had images they worshipped idols. You can either serve the gods of those nations around you or you can serve the God that is going to be with you. I'll tell you this right now. I'll testify. I would rather serve a God that is with me than serve a God that I can see but that is not with me I'd rather serve a God that I can worship and feel rather than something that is tangible that I can't feel a thing from. Praise God. It's not wood and stone. It's not some image that's going to bring me satisfaction. But what is going to bring me peace and joy and strength is when I feel the anointing of God in the house of God that can happen in every single service. That's the God that I want to serve. Praise God. Moses, you're going to go back to the children of of Israel and I'm going to be with you just know that my name the I am that I am is going to walk with you it's going to be with you it's going to stand with you the king that leads the children of Israel out of bondage the king who is unseen the Bible does say that God is a spirit he's a spirit and so a spirit hath not flesh and bones so the king in the Old Testament that God Yahweh was something that was not seen. And this is what is going to differentiate in terms of Moses and speaking to the Hebrews. This is what's going to differentiate you from the rest of the nations around you. It's because you're going to serve a God that is unseen, but that is with you. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to forsake you. He's not going to walk away from you. But you're just not going to need something that is tangible, tangible. You don't need images, you don't need idols, you don't need tangible evidence, but this doesn't mean that I'm going to abandon you because I'm going to be a cloud by day, I'm going to be a pillar of fire by night, I'm going to speak out of a burning bush. My hand, this is called anthropomorphic language, my hand is going to be with you. My face is going to be turned to you. My arm is not short that it cannot reach. My ear will be responsive to you because I'm going to be a God that is with you. I want you to know today in the house of God, there are people in this house, circumstances and turmoil have turned their world upside down, and there's a lot of solutions that people might And try to come up with, but I want to tell you what you need is God. Praise God. There are some situations that if it were not for the peace of God, I'd go absolutely crazy. I wouldn't be able to. uh, I wouldn't be able to function. But because I know the peace of God is with me, Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not always happy, but I've got joy because I know that God is faithful. Amen. What you need in the house of God is God's healing to touch you, touch your mind, touch your spirit, touch your heart. Give you the ability to pray and bring strength and comfort to other people who are down and and, in turmoil and difficulty. Praise God. I believe that God is the king. I believe God is able to heal emphatically. I still believe that. He may not heal me, but I still believe he's a healer. Praise God. I pray for you because I believe he's a healer even if he doesn't heal me. I still believe he's a healer. I'm not walking away from God because God has been faithful to me. It may not be on my but I'm still going to trust him hallelujah I'm still going to believe in him so I'm going to be faithful God, God revealed to them in many ways and there was still this temptation to turn to the foreign elements of the world that was around them the great temptation was to turn from what cannot be seen to hold on to the gods of the nations And in that ancient society, it was so connected to agriculture that Baal and and, and Asherah and all the gods associated were, were associated to agriculture. So it was all based on seasons and rain and water and crops and everything else. And then they infused that worship into sexuality. So they had priests and they had temples. And the more that you exhibited behavior that would conjure up the spirit of the images that you were worshiping. This is this was not God's design. God was was just going to be faithful. God is a a spirit. And so the temptation was to turn from what could not be seen and hang on to the gods of the nations. This is why the prophet Isaiah in chapter 44 and verse number eight reveals to us this tension This tension that occurred. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity. And their delectable things shall not profit. And they are their own witnesses. They see not nor know so that they may be ashamed. Who hath formed a God, or molten, a graven image, that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all of his fellows shall be ashamed, and the workmen, they are of men. You're worshiping gods that are of men. They're images that are created by fellows, and they're a, they're a molten graven image, and they're forming a God, but they have no power, they have no ability. Isaiah 42 and verse 17, they shall be turned back, they shall be greatly ashamed that trust in graven images, they shall say to the molten images, you are our Gods and they will worship them. This is the unseen God speaking to humanity to avoid the error of trusting in something that He created. Don't worship and, and uh, give allegiance to the creation, worship the Creator. Isaiah went on to say in chapter 45 and verse number 20 Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, you that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. It's a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near and let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? There is no God else beside me a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Praise God. I'm only looking for him. I'm not looking for something else. Praise God. Every once in a while somebody will say I want to be baptized. I said, well you do do you really believe it? Well I believe it and I've been baptized another way but but I just want to make sure I cover all the bases so I'll get baptized in Jesus name. Hey you need to be established and emphatic about who you serve. Not that you're trying to cover all the bases but you believe in the one true living God. Praise God. There is no other savior. There is no other God that can save and heal. I'm looking. i look into him, not somebody else. Praise God. Amen. You can sense a divine frustration in these prophetic passages of scripture because God is, he's, there's a gap between how great God is and the frailty of humanity trying in their own minds to worship a God that they can't see, and yet a God that is tangible to them. And this is a this is a struggle. This is divine frustration. Here is God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> he is the king of glory that the psalmist is talking about. Solomon, when he built the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27, he said, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold the heaven. And the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have built. God supersedes everything. He is sovereign. He is the king. And by that very fact, he displays his power and his royalty. It is amazing because when he speaks, walls fall. And he can speak through, in some instances, he speaks through animals when he speaks to Balaam. He speaks and creation happens and he is able to control nature when he steps out on a bow of a boat. And yet, and yet, though he is crowned and respected in the dimension of heaven, he is crowned less in the dimension of earth. And this is that divine tension. I am the yet my constituents won't worship me as the king. There were periods in their history that they did when they came out of Egypt with a mighty hand. When they went into the promised land. But they got caught in a vicious cycle in which they started worshiping the gods around them. And then you had kings like Ahab. That came in and brought all that stuff and then tried to do what was called syncretism. We want to worship Jehovah, but at the same time, we want Baal. and we, We'll try to figure out how we can bring both in. The northern tribes of Israel split off, and instead of going to Jerusalem, they created their own temple. And it was a temple that was an infusion of true worship and false worship. And so they were trying to hang on to two worlds at the same time. Can I testify to you and say you'll be miserable trying to hang on to two worlds? It doesn't work. It would be better for you to either live for God with everything that you've got, praise God, than to dabble around with trying to walk the fence. You can't do it. You know what our world needs? Committed people that love God, that are willing to say, I'll give you all my mind, all my heart, all of my soul everything that is me I'll give to you I'm not bargaining. I'm not playing chess with my life. But God, I want you to do great things through me. I want there to be revival that flows through me. I want your anointing to flow through me. I'm giving you everything because this is what you require. Is there any committed apostolic people in the house of God today that's feeling what I'm feeling? I don't want to be directed by the world, controlled by the world, but I want to be directed. By the anointed one, the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's worthy. He's worthy of my praise. Amen. He's crownless. He's crownless. He's crowned Heaven knows it. Heaven knows he's the because heaven has been able to see his creative power. Heaven said we watched when he turned what was nothing into something. Heaven knows his ability and his strength. But it's hard to break through into the created ones, humanity, to see how great he is. It's still going on today. There are people that want to mask, turn away, say that's really not of God. It's really not what you should worship. There's a lot of things over here that you should worship. There's a lot of idols that we can serve and follow and sell to elevate that, and that's worthy of time and effort. But I'm preaching today in the house of God, it's not worth your time, and it's not worth your effort, and it's not worth all of that. What is worth coming to the house of God and developing a relationship with God is you've got a God that's going to walk with you and be with you. Praise God. Hey, don't let heaven know that he's the king and he's a crowned king when we're in the earth and we don't crown him with worship and praise and adoration I want to make every effort in this life to say I know that heaven knows that you're a king but I also want you to know that I know that you're a king and so I want to pull from the heavenly into the earthly and say there's a king of kings in the earth and in the heavens Praise God. Why don't you clap your hands and worship the king for a moment. He's the king of kings. He's a crownless king. And so what does he do? And how does he resolve this divine tension that is taking place in that ancient world? Well, John said in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he said in verse number 14, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The King that was crowned in heaven, but was not crowned on the earth, left heaven to come to the earth and say, I have arrived. To be crowned king, (laughs) praise God. And there were some that accepted, but when, when it really got troublesome, everybody walked away from him, but he still came to be crowned king. Praise God. The word became flesh. John chapter 8 and verse number 57. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. The unseen king that is now standing before you, that has come to be crowned, is telling you in a visible manifestation. Not an unseen king, but now a visible king in the visage of Jesus Christ. Before Abraham was, I am. John chapter 10 and verse number 30. Jesus said, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones to stone him. Jesus answered, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? They weren't stoning him for the works. The Jews answered and said, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou, being a man, Makest thyself God. What the Jews didn't understand and recognize is that Jesus was God and he was standing right before them and he was the unseen king that was coming to be seen and crowned. They had difficulty with that. But you know, not just the Jews. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse number six to the disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Philip at the father you are looking at the unseen king that is now before you praise God I'm coming to be crowned as king the irony is that he is coming to receive the coronation not at a place that we would typically understand this is not in some great amazing crowning and and pomp and circumstance Where all the constituents come out and there's an amazing uh, ceremony that takes place. But this is going to happen in a different way. The Jews had a hard time understanding. The disciples had a hard time. Thomas himself said, I won't believe after Calvary and he's put in a tomb. I won't believe until I touch the scars in his body. And Jesus appears unto the disciples and said, peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Thomas said, okay, I finally understand and recognize that the unseen has become seen. And I'm going to put my doubt and my unbelief to the side. And I'm going to put my confidence in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thomas' difficulty was he had a hard time understanding where the coronation was going to take place. And Calvary seemed to be a a weird place to be crowned king people were looking for power and sovereignty to overthrow Roman rule. They were looking for a white horse and Jesus to come riding in as the Messiah and, and to throw off any foreign domination and yet here he comes on a donkey and he's making his way to an old rugged cross. He's moving toward Calvary and it's bloody and it's messy but Jesus was saying I'm going to be the king of the world and they're going to coronate me on on the cross and Calvary because I'm doing a new thing that is going to be earth-shattering. Praise God. You don't serve a limited God. You serve a sovereign God, a God that would take himself to the cross to say, I'm willing to die for you and shed blood that is able to wash and cleanse. There is no king like this, king, that can forgive and wash away every sin that you have ever committed. Praise God. You talk about a powerful, King that is able to take away all of your failures, shortcomings, and difficulties and give you the ability to lift your hands and say, Thank the Lord. That's a powerful king that can take you from dysfunction and turn things around in your life and give you the liberty to have a clear mind and lift your hands and say, Thank God that I'm not wandering around in a world full of confusion. But God has a Established me in the house of God. This is a powerful king. This is a powerful king. I think we need to worship the King of Kings for a few moments right here. He's powerful. He is able to do above and beyond what we could even think or ask. If there's something in your mind that is so great and you don't think nothing could ever be done, think about the King. Because when you think about the King, you recognize all power is in His hand. All power. It's in his hand. Praise God. And when they coronated him at Calvary, he did some amazing things. Number one, he created a new family. He died for all of humanity. There were no Jews and Gentiles segmentation of cultures and races. But at Calvary, when they coronated him, he created a new family that included everybody. Praise God, everybody. Not only did he do that, but he broke broke a a major stronghold when it came to gender identity and male and female. There was a definite discrepancy in a patriarchal society between the men and the women who were second-class citizens. And Jesus responded in his ministry to women, and then when they coronated him at the cross, he said there's going to be neither Jew nor Gentile, and then he said there's going to be neither male nor female, because in a new family, everybody has a seat at the table. There's going to be no separation. I'm going to break down all of those societal barriers. He created when they coronated him. The supreme act of love. Praise God. He said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, you shall know that I am. In the Old Testament, you remember, there was an example that was given. In the Old Testament, the serpents broke out because of disobedience and unbelief. And they bit individuals and people and it became a a pandemic of difficulties and struggles. And Moses was told to fashion a snake on a pole and lift it up. And anybody that was bitten could look to the pole and there would be healing. And there would be strength that would come to that individual. Well, Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, I'll be that one that is able to bring salvation. And whosoever believeth on me will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. We talk about the lifting up when we say if he's lifted up, he'll draw all people to him. And we talk about that most of the time in praise and worship. Come on, let's lift up the name of the Lord because when he's lifted up, he dwells and inhabits the praises of his people. But really what's happening there, it's at Calvary that he does the drawing. Praise God. He draws everybody because he shows to us the supreme act of love. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners... Christ died for the ungodly. Nothing that we did, nothing that we did pushed him to Calvary because we didn't do anything. Everybody abandoned him, but he still said, I'm going to the cross. Praise God. He gave to us a model of what it means to love one another. And the cross became the true definition of what love is. If you're wanting to know what love is, look at the cross. Praise God, because when everybody rejects you, persecutes you, beats you, and you still go to the cross for all of humanity who are sinners, and you give them a hope that maketh not ashamed, this is the definition of what true love is. I want to tell you in the house of God today, I don't deserve to be here because I rejected him just like everybody else rejected him, but he still went to Calvary. And because he went to Calvary, he exemplified to me a love that is supreme and powerful. This is why I'm in the house of God today because I'm so thankful. I don't know why I'm here. You should think the same thing. Why am I here? Because of God's mercy and his grace that was poured out. We have the ability to be in the house of the Lord and to feel his anointing and strength and to worship him. Praise God. And because there is great, great responsibility with that. I want to be a witness to somebody else and tell them if you want a true definition of what love is. It's not going to be in some pop song that's all sugary that has hooks on the radio, but what it's going to be is through the power and the work of Calvary and the blood that is still effective and efficacious to us today. It still works. As musicians come this morning, the cross became the new Passover. You remember in that old Passover, they came out of Egyptian bondage. They were enslaved. And so they were told specifically now, this is the last plague. You need to go find a a spotless lamb and you need to kill it. You need to apply the blood on the doorpost because when the angel passes by, it'll pass over and the firstborn won't be destroyed because there's blood that you have applied. That was the old Passover lamb. But in the new Passover lamb, we don't have to go find a spotless lamb because Jesus is the spotless lamb without blemish. And that happens. That new Passover happens at the cross. The new Passover happens at the cross. When you find this lamb, there's a new exodus. You're coming out of some things because of the work of Calvary. There's no more oppression there's liberation because the scripture said, he whom the son has set free is free indeed. There is no more enslavement because God brings to us a freedom and a strength. Who are we talking about today? We're talking about the king. Praise God. I want to stick this right. I want to plant this flag right in the belly of hell let's say there is nothing. There is no power. There's no spirit. There is nothing that is greater than the king. nothing Nothing. praise God we need to get our eye on the king it is at Calvary where he is coronated and where he is glorified praise God when we say let's give God glory again we're usually talking about praise Lord I love you I praise you I thank you you give God glory at the cross it's not a shameful thing but it's a It's a place where he is elevated and he is glorified. It's bloody, it's messy, but it's also the crowning achievement. And this is why the world looks in abhorrence. The world can't understand it. The world sees it as weakness. But we don't see it as weakness. We see it as the power of the cross. And here's what's so fascinating. When he comes from heaven to the earth, he descends. But at the cross, he ascends. He comes as a humble servant and he descends into the lower parts of the earth. But at the cross, he is lifted up in ascension, not just in a geographical location, but he does something for eternity that is the definition of love that establishes a new Passover that creates a new family and he is still operating as both the high priest and the lamb. The unseen becomes the seen and he conquers and he is victorious. And finally, it is at this place, strength that he is enthroned and crowned with praise. Pilate puts some tacky sign above his head that says, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. I want you to know in the house of God today that Jesus didn't come just to be the king of the Jews. He came to be the king of everybody. He's the universal king. Praise God as we stand together in the house of God today. The cross is the place where Jesus takes his rightful place on the throne and he becomes one that knows who we are and there is power in his ability and his hand. He was tempted in all points like as we are. He knows the feeling of our infirmities and he runs speedily to our aid. The scripture said he is able to secure us. That means he runs speedily to our aid and he is able to keep us from falling because there is power in Calvary. Praise God. Praise God. If you're thankful for the cross today in the house of God, why don't you lift up your hands and lift up your voice and say, God, I came here today to worship you. I made a divine appointment to step into the presence of the King." Hallelujah. I know that I'm involved in a kingdom. I'm doing different things as a servant. But every once in a while, it's good to lift my eyes to Calvary and see how powerful the king really is. If you need healing in this place, there is a king. You should step out of the pew where you are and walk to this place. If you're troubled in your spirit, you should step out and say, I'm going to meet the king. Praise God. The king of kings and lord of lords is going to bring peace to my troubled mind. Amen. Praise God. Take it from this place. To a hospital room somewhere. Take it from this place to somebody that's in turmoil somewhere because you've spent time worshiping the King, the Lord of all things, the sovereign one. There is healing in his name, there's power in his name. And as constituents of the King, I want to lift my voice and praise him together. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Come on, let's worship the King together. I love you, Lord, and praise you. I'm healed by your stripes and the work of Calvary. I am established in salvation because of you. Yes, yes, Jesus. Yes, yes, the world will bow down and say, "You are God." You're sovereign. You're worthy. You're great and greatly to be loved.